Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Be aggressive. Let's win. Here we go. Once again, I'm excited to have another leader in the world of sports on Leaders Lead with Van Malone. Coaches and administrators across the country on all levels and in many different sports have enjoyed the great insight that we continue to share on this podcast. It also has been a remarkable experience for me personally. We've had the chance to share with conference commissioners, athletic directors, head coaches, and we've even had a Super Bowl champion coach grace our podcast. Our next guest, D.D. Merritt, has had a terrific career in athletics and has worked tirelessly to help student athletes succeed. She's held post at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and worked for the last few years at the NCAA. She's an amazing leader, a fantastic cook, <laughs> and a dynamic role model for anyone who aspires to work on the executive levels of intercollegiate athletics. Thanks so much for being here with us, Dee Dee. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure, my honor, really. Oh, well, again, we're, we're fired up to have you and we can't really, we can't wait to get you in uh, to some of the topics. And then, like I told you before, we might jump off topic. We've done that mm -hmm. in the past. Mm -hmm. But my mom used to always say, don't ever say where you won't go, what you won't do. Right. And so and and so I always kind of consider it funny when I think about it, because in my career, I found my places, myself in places where I definitely would have thought that I wouldn't be. For for example, I wouldn't have ever thought that I would have been a coach at Mississippi State University, or I would have ever taken a job at the University of Tulsa. Uh, but throughout my career, you know, I've found myself in those places and they've been remarkable experiences. Mm -hmm. But what we want to do is we want to talk about your journey, your journey in college athletics from being in an, administra in an administrative role to yeah. now being the director of leadership development with the NCAA. Okay. Listen, buckle up. Because okay. my journey is, 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 is different, right? Mm -hmm. right. Um, I started in athletics as a secretary. Um, some many years ago, I won't say how many years ago, but not that many, uh, not, yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> um, but many years ago, I had a really good friend. Um, we worked at the time at the department of veterans affairs for the state of Wisconsin, uh, a job that was an honor of mine to be able to serve those who protect us. Um, and, and this friend, she decided to transfer over to, uh, one of the local universities, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And so she transferred over, it was in the state system. And the next thing you know, she called me and she said, you know, hey buddy, there's a job here uh, in athletics at UWM. And I think you would be great for it because you, you know, you love sports. Now, let me tell you something about me, coach. I love sports, but I'm not athletic. <laughs> Never a student athlete, I'm not coordinated enough. It's just not in me. I know my place. Right. I'm a professional spectator. I know yeah. my place. Um, so went through the process and was hired and quickly just realized that, you know, hey, I really like working here. Um, number one, I had a tremendous amount of respect for the student athletes mm -hmm. and all that they had to do to be successful both academically and athletically. 
But on top of that, I had a really, really high level of respect for coaches. Right. And I was fascinated by you all because I, I and and found myself making friends with all the coaches in the athletic department because I loved number one um, the 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 style under pressure right, right, right. you know I, I loved being the observer and watching you all react to pressure situations that that last second play and going into overtime and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But I also just loved your passion for the work. And so I quickly realized putting that all together, I was like, you know, this is, this is where I want to be. I really, yeah. I really enjoy being in this space. And I looked out and had a boss who became my mentor. And he said to me one day, he said, you know, there's so much more you can, you can do in this space. And I really want to work with you. It's going to be tough. I'm going to give you some tough love. I was a single parent. I had dropped out of college my third year. Uh, to have my daughter, and uh, he really worked with me, and he really, you know, talked to me about returning to school, which I did, finished my bachelor's degree, went straight into my master's degree, all while picking up little odds and ends jobs. I kind of built my internship in the department, because I worked for a division one mid-major. You know, there's not a lot of people, and right. you always have a job to do uh, and then when I graduated with my MBA, um, the athletic director at the time, he promoted me to assistant athletic director uh, and went into that role and was asked to design student athlete development programming um, and just really had the opportunity to take my love for student athletes to a next level where I was able to serve them directly. Right. And that meant everything in the world to me. And that was how I became uh, uh, in contact with leadership development. Uh, and it was through my connections and leadership development where I fell in love with the program in there because I felt like I had found home. I felt like I was uh, surrounded by people who shared the same passion to serve as I did. Uh, and it was through building my relationships with the staff there at the time that back in 2016, uh, they had a job opening. And I said, you know what, it's time to step out on faith. Milwaukee is home, was home to me. But I said, you know what, I really, I really love what leadership development stands for, and I would love to be a part of it. And so I stepped out on faith and, and applied for the job and was blessed to, to, to land it as an associate director. Uh, and then back in 20, late 2018, was asked to serve as the interim director. Uh, and then uh, January of 2020, was promoted into the position permanently. So that's, that's my journey. Yeah. Good. Well, you know what? It as I listen to that journey, as I walk down that road with you, what I continue to hear is serve. Yes. And, and, you know, when, when you talk about leaders and sometimes, sometimes when you talk to leaders, they mm -hmm. lose that, right? They lose, they lose the fact that they are servants, that they should serve the people that they work with. When I was, um, I had an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. One of my, he's a good friend of mine, but he's a guy who worked on the staff with me. And it was really cool for me to listen to an interview that mm -hmm. he gave. And they, the, the person questioned him about our relationship. And what he said was that he was there to, to help me be the best defensive coordinator that I could be. Mm -hmm and that he was there to serve me. Mm -hmm. And it was cool because in my mind, I was there to serve him. I was there to do all I could to help him become a defensive coordinator. And so I, I really grabbed that and I, and I took that to every opportunity I have to coach is to say that, okay, here at Kansas State, my job is to serve Coach Kleiman, our head coach, help him be the best head coach that he could be. And, and you know, when you, when, you, when you operate down that roles, I always kind of look at it as a triangle. The leader is serving the people who work with him, and they are serving him, and you both are serving the players. And ultimately, players, they always want to please their coach. You know, mm -hmm. so, so the, coach, the players are trying to please the coaches and the coaches are trying to please the player and mm -hmm. and it just goes round and round i think it it operates best like that um but you dd of course because uh one of the reasons is because you're a server um but you're a dynamic leader and uh Thank even you. 
even the most dynamic leaders in the last two years have been challenged. COVID, political unrest, activism, you know, in sports, the social justice initiatives. What, What has the last two years taught you about your leadership? Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I think that um I shared some of the same emotions that a lot of other, you know, people in this space, a lot of leaders everywhere shared. You know, coach, there was a lot of sleepless nights at first, you know, when the pandemic first started to take hold. Um I, a lot of sleepless nights because I struggled with how are we going to continue to work and serve in this space? Um, you know. Our, our programs at the time were traditional, more traditional right. in nature. Right. And so I struggled with trying to visualize how we would continue to be a relevant and useful and helpful uh, entity in this space. Um, I was also scared. I was scared, you know, of what, what were the next steps going to be? We didn't know, you know, for right. a long time, none of us knew right. what the next steps were going to be. Um, But then, you know, I I listened to something that my late mother used to always say, and she used to always say, you know what, you got to pray on it and give it up to God and let it go. And I did. And it seemed like when I did that, the answer started to come. Like, you know what, it's time for some more exploration. It's time for, uh, you know, you can you can ask some questions, look around, see what everybody else is doing in the landscape uh, and understand that there's a place for you. Right. Uh, and, and the work that you do and the work that, you know, the wonderful people who work with me, my teammates do. And so we did that. We just kind of took a step back and, and, and stepped into the role of observing um, and planning. Uh, and then we stepped back out. And when we stepped back out, I felt like we stepped back out with a bang. Right. right. Uh, which was which was good for us. But I think that some of the lessons I learned was to be resilient, uh, to be resilient in my in my in to be determined um in my actions uh in my belief in myself in my belief in the people that work and serve with me um and to be centered as a leader to not forget who you serve right and to what purpose uh you serve them for uh and ours is to educate and empower student athletes both directly and indirectly uh, and that indirectly is through those who coach, teach, and lead them. Uh, and so to be patient um, and, and to be uh, as transparent with those that I work with, that I lead as possible. Um, and so, you know, t- taking that and combining it all together, uh, it really uh, served me well uh, in navigating us through not only the pandemic, um, but but that keeping everything grounded um, and it helped to serve us through the the racial and social uh, unrest that we you know we've been dealing with it for years. I mean it's right. just coming to the forefront. Right. Uh, let's be real about it. Um, you know it, it it's all of those things together that that helped me to stay grounded uh, to be able to lend myself even more to those who needed me. Uh, and even more importantly, at that time, who needed me was my staff um, and getting them to understand that we have a way out of all of this. We have a way to deal with this. Um, it's just us sticking together. It's looking out for each other. Uh, it's expressing care for each other and love for one another. Uh, and, and, and we'll make it through. And, and we did. We are. We're not right. done yet. We're, we're still making it. Yeah, we're, still we're still making it. it. Yes. Yes, sir. So as, so as a coach who benefits daily by your work, I'd like to, again, say thank you. But thank you from that perspective. Um, as, as we, as coaches, talk, uh, and, and I, I have a lot of friends who are coaches and who are minority coaches, and, you know, I share with them some of the things that, that are, you know, going on, some of the work that you do. And... Um, being a part of the leadership collective, uh, I'm I'm really proud to you know to be a part of something that that I I think uh, has been a long time coming. Yes. But uh, I always use the term, and I've used it on this podcast a few ter- uh, times that 
that there is strength in diversity. You know, when when you look at when you look at something from the same glasses, from the same vision, and you always look look at it, I believe you lose something. Which I do understand. You know, when you talk about coaches, when you talk about a moment where you lose your coach, right? Mm-hmm. When you talk about the place where, uh, you, you, whatever reason you lost, for whatever reason you lost your coach, he went on yeah. to a better opportunity, or mm-hmm. you had to make a change for what you thought was the betterment of your program. That's a stressful moment for administrators. That's a stressful moment for people's people on a campus. Well, when you are under stress, most people they go back to what they know. Yeah, they go always. to what they go to the comfort place, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think when you talk about diversity, though, there's a challenge with that, you know, because diversity sometimes, especially in this moment, you have to go to a place that you hadn't gone before. Mm-hmm. You have to try something new. Mm-hmm. You have to try a different vision. Look at it at a diff in a different way. What is that? What is that challenge? The fact that people in administration and on campuses are reluctant to do that. What does that challenge present for you as you are in charge of the leadership collective? So, you know what, um, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being a part of the leadership collective. It is a project that we have been working on for several years now. And I am so proud of the fact that we get the opportunity to showcase some of the best ethnic minority coaches and administrators in this business so that we can eliminate the question of, or the age old tired excuse of, where are these great administrators of color? I can't seem to find them, right? Um, But your question is even bigger than the leadership collective. It's talking about diversity in the space of the whole entire picture. And what you have to think about when you want to be uh, and, and embrace diversity is two things, in my opinion. One of them is self-awareness. The other one is vulnerability. Self-awareness to understand that your opinion, your thought, your action, your deed is not the only one. That there's so many different perspectives out here. That there's diversity in color. There's diversity in background. There's diversity in thought. There's, the, there's diversity in everything. And having all of those different voices at the table only strengthens you because it brings in perspectives, like you said, that you don't necessarily think about. But that's hard when you're a leader and you don't have that self-awareness piece to understand that, you know what, there's things out here I just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. The second piece, vulnerability, in my opinion, as a leader is even tougher. It's, it's not about um, internalizing and saying, I don't know what I don't know. When you're vulnerable, it's about emoting that and letting other people that you, you are teammates with, that you work with, um, that serve you, uh, it, for lack of better words, it's about letting them know, you know what, I don't know. Right. And there's a lot of leaders who feel like they can't let that vulnerability show. And I'm here to tell you that the best way to get your team to follow behind you is to show vulnerability, is to be able to say to them, you know what, I don't have the answers right now. I don't know. Right. And, and also to be brave enough and, and, and strong enough as a leader to allow them at times to go out and find the answer for you. Think about those times when you've been around those types of leaders and they've been vulnerable enough and trusted you enough to share with you, you know what, Coach Malone, I don't have the answers. And you have that trust and relationship with them. What's one of the first things that you think about? You think about how can you help that person, right? You want to help them. You want to get the answer for them. You want to do whatever it is that they can't do. And what does that do overall? That strengthens the team. So as a leader, if you can be self-aware enough to understand who you are, what you're about, what you're good at, what you may not be good at, um, where you need to grow, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, is 
at the times when necessary, being able to verbalize that with those who are part of your team to be able to say and be brave enough to say, I don't have the answer. And then take it a step further and allow your teammates to help support you as the leader instead of you always feeling like you have to lead from top down. Right. Well, you know, that leaders uh, throughout history have always been trained and wanted to be out front and wanted to have all the answers. But like you said, sometimes you just don't. And, and I don't think you lose power. Mm -hmm. I don't think you lose power when you say you don't. Right. Yep. So I agree. I agree. I, one day I was a, 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 an athlete. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't profess at this moment to be athletic though. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I mean, my players, I, they always challenge me. Yeah, coach, I know you played in the league, but how, listen, man, I have one more play and I'm not going to waste it on you. Right. I always, <laughs> I say to them, I'm going to save my one play because maybe the Denver Broncos, they might go to the Super Bowl and they need to call me and they need me for that one play. So I'm saying, right. well, <laughs> as a player, you know, it's the yell of the crowd. And, mm -hmm. and for me as a coach, it's, it's this player who has, has struggled and all of a sudden I see the light click on, right? Mm -hmm. It could be struggling academically or it could be struggling, you know, athletically, but I mm -hmm. see the light click on. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the rush I get. For you, my question for you is, is what is that game day feeling for you? What is that rush in, in what you do every day? Where's your game day? Oh, gosh. You know, the beauty of um, working at the NCAA is that it's the same sort of platform, just a little wider. I get to cast a wider net. Right. So for me, wins are when you win. So if you and I have connected, you've been a part of our programs, and you put the work in uh, to be able to, to get to that next level and your time comes. I celebrate you. Right. Our student athletes, when I get the opportunity to meet, I get the opportunity to meet thousands of student athletes all over the country every year. And I get those emails from them after I've met them and they've been through our programs and they talk about how the programs have changed their life and how they're going to take what they learn with them as they move through life and continue to go forward and be productive adults contributing to society. And I always affectionately tell them, and I hope one day you hire me in, my, in the twilight of my career. And you might, you probably won't even have to pay me. Just let me walk around the hallways and just talk to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I hope that you think about me when you get to where, where you want to be. That's a win for me. And then the third win for me is with my staff. I love my staff. I love them dearly. I'm so proud of them. I think I have had the opportunity to be blessed, to put together a fantastic team of servant leaders who really, really understand what we do and who we do it for. And so when I get the opportunity to put them up on the platform and allow them to shine through the work that we do and they do it and they kill it, then they may game over. I'm good. You know, so I, for me, the wins are, they're never about me. It's about we, it's about you all, it's about, it's about us. Uh, and so seeing other people win has always been something that I, I didn't identify right away, um, but now I understand that it's key to me. And I tell people all the time, I am a servant leader, leader who aspires to participate in the transformational experiences of others. And so when you transform and you change and you, you're feeling even better about yourself and it shows through your actions and your movements and, and, and your leadership qualities and you go on to be able to impart and instill that in others and create your own culture of excellence, I win. Right. It's everything right. to me. So, so this book, I'm, I'm, I'm not really like doing a commercial, <laughs> but, but this book, The Energy Bus. Yeah. It's by John Gordon. And so mm -hmm. that, book, that book speaks to that, right? And, and to me, once you realize, once you realize, you know, where your wins come from, mm -hmm. once, 
and not not only where they come from, but if they happen to come from the place that yours comes from, man, it, it's it's awesome, right? So if your wins come from affecting, helping other people, right? Yeah. If you if you understand that you you can get so much by helping other people achieve their goals, or you can do it from any any profession, right? It doesn't have to just be sports, right? Sure, sure. Yes. But when you when you realize that, to me, that is, I mean, that is the most awesome feeling. So we we've had some awesome leaders uh, on this podcast, like I, I mentioned before. But and we've we've exchanged some great ideas about about leadership, right? And honestly, people always point back, and you kind of did it earlier. They always point back to someone who has helped them learn the fine art of leading people mm -hmm. who has been the leader that you've been around that person that has taught you how to lead and and what did what did that person teach you so i'm going to cheat right i'm telling you right now so is it really cheating if i tell you i'm cheating not really not okay, really cool, cool, cool. <laughs> all right because i because i have two okay. um and 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 one is my mother my my mom, um, Gwen Merritt, she passed away in 2016. Um, my mother was a, a, a sickly child who had to claw and fight just to stay alive. Mm. Um, and who, you know, left home at a young age and moved all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin and built a life for herself uh, and raised me as a single parent. Uh, and so I saw her every day um, get up and be uh, resilient. Uh, in love and service to me, and not just me, but those in her circle who she loved, you know, family, friends, uh, other people's children. Uh, and so my mother, one of the biggest lessons my mother taught me was, um, as she would affectionately say, don't be a punk. <laughs> Get up and, you know, live, learn to live, to fight another day. Uh, and so that resilience is very strong in me. Um, and it's something that if I, if I don't get it right the first time, you know, I may go back and sit down and lick my wounds, but I'm strategizing about how I will get it the second time and it will happen. Um, right. So I have to, I have to give a nod to my mom for that. The second one was one of my first bosses, actually um, the man who hired me at the state of Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs. His name was Mel Hall. He is also uh, deceased. Mel worked with my mother years ago, and then I had the opportunity to work with Mel, always in, in service to others. He was a, a veteran, um, but he always was a, in service to others, community worker, and then also went on to work for Veterans Affairs. Mel was the one who impressed upon me the idea of leading from behind, that you get your best work from those that are on your team and work with you, with you when you trust them enough and you prepare them enough and then push them out front and let them go. And you as the leader stay behind to make sure, behind the pack, to make sure that everything is moving in the way that it's moving, supposed to move, um, and, and that everybody is in their right places to be successful. So he always instilled that in the people that he worked with through his actions where he would always be the one to, to volunteer us as experts on a particular subject, push us out to go participate in programs. Always, uh, you know, if an idea came from us, he was always the first person to say, no, that wasn't my idea. I might've told you about it, but that was Didi's idea. So let me bring her in so that she can talk to you about it. Uh, and, and that's what I do with, with, with my staff. Uh, and so those two things, you know, resiliency and, and leading from behind, uh, I think are, are true hallmarks uh, of, of who I am as a leader. Great. My, my, um, my head coach here, Chris Kleiman, he, he does the same things that Mr. Hall, you, you talked about. He, he does not, he's slow, very slow to take credit, you know, mm -hmm. but he, but he's quick to take responsibility. You know, Absolutely. when it doesn't go right, he's like, uh, okay, I did that. Yep. And it, it's it's been real cool for me, you know, being in this role um, because I've seen the assistant head coach role. Oh, that thing is passed out all over the place. 
but you know one of the things he did when he proposed to me to you know take on this responsibility is he said listen i, I want to help you to to learn so that when you mm -hmm. get an opportunity you will be ready and and i've wow had some tremendous experiences from from leading the staff meetings to mm -hmm. when he leaves when he goes he says okay here's what here's what you're going to do here's what i need you to tell the team mm -hmm. you, you you run the staff meeting here's what i need to make sure you talk through and a tremendous experience that as an assistant coach you never think about those things mm -hmm. you never think about the fact that okay i got to make sure that i allow this person to speak i got to make mm -hmm. sure that i think about th the head coach thinks about those things. Mm -hmm. I only think about my little position group. And uh, and then, you know, I've had the opportunity when he's had to make tough decisions, right? Mm -hmm. When the head coach has to make tough decisions, yeah, assistant coaches run off. <laughs> because run, hide. They, they, like, they, they don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but when, when, you know, it's just been cool for me and he's admitted that it's been good for him because that's a lonely place at times, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. chair is lonely. And so sometimes, you know, I have the opportunity to, to, to be a part of that, to uh, shoulder some of the blame. Well, that was Van's idea, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, but, uh, but it's, it's been, it's been really cool. So, I, you know, as you talk about those people who have had, especially your mom, who's had a direct influence in your life, I think that's special. Um, mm -hmm. So then when we talk about choosing, right, choosing the people and, and we, because we're talking about the energy bus, uh, it's about choosing the right people to get on the bus with you. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's got to be one of the keys for success. So when you, when you think about hiring a new staff member, how do you look to identify who will be the best additions to your team? Well, I think that uh, that self-awareness comes back into play, right? And it's about really taking a look back at yourself as a leader and at your department, your team, whatever it is that you're leading, and really making a true assessment of what's good and what's bad, what's working, what's not working, where are the gaps, and then creating sort of a, what I'll call a success profile of an individual uh, to say that, you know, I know for me, a lot of times I don't like dealing in the details. I'm a, I'm a 30,000 foot picture, you know, picture right. dreamer. Right. Uh, and so if I'm looking at an individual, you know, then it's like, okay, I know that I need to look at an individual who has some attention to detail. Um, so those are some of the small things, but the bigger overall picture coach is, is that I have to have people who understand that it's not about me. It's about we, it's about us, mm -hmm. that they really understand and grasp what servant leadership is and that they understand what we are here to do, but more importantly, who we are here to serve. Right. And that's something that has that's innate in people. It's not something that you can learn. Uh, it's not something that you can pick up from talking to somebody. It's, it's something that you can bring out of yourself if you already have it and, and, and make it make it more pronounced. But you, are, but you have to have it. And there's nothing wrong with those people who don't have that mindset. There's a place in this world for them too. But in my corner of the world, in the business where I am, and, and the association that I work for, we are a membership association. We are here to serve you. We're here to serve our student athletes. We're here to serve our administrators. Service is part and parcel of who we are. And so that is the most important thing when I'm looking at individuals, because some things can be taught. A lot of things can be taught. You can look at it and say, well, I need someone who is proficient in this sort of program. Yeah. You can teach yeah. them that. Yeah. You can look at it and say, well, I need someone who knows how to do this. A lot of this stuff you can teach. But it's really about looking at those characteristics that can't be taught and understanding that you need to bring individuals in who complement you in that area. And that's what's important. And so for me, 
service is key. Understanding that the, the big picture is about what we do to look out for others with the, with the job that we do every day. That, that to me is key. And you know what? I, I, think, I think those same aspects, they have, because I always, you know, as I talk to different coaching buddies of mine, we talk about the fact that you have to, as a coach, you also have to understand that you're a servant. Uh, that you are serving, right? You are yes. serving people. You're yes. serving our student. Because guess what? They can go on YouTube somewhere and figure out how to backpedal. You know what I mean? Hello? Uh, exactly. So, so, it's, so, so you have to, I just think in our, in our business, in the business of athletics, in the business, of course, of college athletics, mm -hmm. if you're going to work with these student athletes, anyone who is interacting with them has to understand that that you're the if we have no athletes we have no athletics right Nothing. and Nothing. so uh, I think I think that crosses the board you know in terms of um, coaches as well so so now let's let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about those coaches that you serve because I think this point will be something that as coaches and administrators who aspire to take that next step they'll really gain from this question. So when, when you think about the coaches you serve, mm -hmm. what is the biggest factor that, that you think, what, what is most important when you are trying to help someone to maximize their leadership capabilities? You know, if, if you're going to be in charge of people, what are, what are some things that you must develop, that you must have if you're going to be a leader? And I'm talking about, I'm talking to the young coach. I'm talking to the coach mm -hmm. who wants to be a head coach. You have to want more than that. Why do you want to be a head coach? Mm -hmm. It can't just be because you want to be in charge. It can't just be because, like we always hear all the time, I want to run my own program. I, I want to I want to run my own show, do my own mm -hmm. thing. Right. It has to be more than that. It has there has to be a, a service component to it. You have to be going into it for the right reasons. If you don't, you fail. Eventually, you fail. So for me, when I'm working and, and my consultants are working with coaches uh, in particular, we always start out with that conversation. Why? Why? Why are you here? Why do you want to undertake this journey? Why do you want to ultimately serve as the head coach of XYZ program? And it can't just be about because you want to be in charge. We don't have time for that. Right. You have to come to the table with more than that. We need to know why. What, what, what effect do you want to have on the game? What effect do you want to have on student athletes? What effect do you want to have on the, the athletic department that you'll be working with, the campus that you'll be working on, the community that you'll be working in? Like it's, it, it, it gets to the point where it's all the level where it's almost global. And so you have to be thinking about it in that mindset and not just, well, I want to be in charge because I want to be in charge because, you know, I've worked for these coaches and I see what they do. And, and so this is what I want to do. Right. That that's that's not it for us. So for me, I'm always walking into these situations, whether it be uh, an informational phone call, whether it be walking into the first day of one of our programs, a conversation, um, just uh, impromptu. Um, I'm always asking that question, and I always want that question asked by those who work with me: of why? Why are you here? Why? Why? You need to be able to understand why you want to do this and then be able to properly articulate it so that other people can see your vision. And if you put the thought into it and really dig down deep and, and ask yourself that question from the standpoint of being real and saying, okay, really, why do I want to do this? Then you will work with you to get that message together the way that you want it to be so that when you're sitting down in front of that athletic director or that, that school president or chancellor, you're able to, to create this vision that they look and they see on you and only you okay. as an option. 
right. the next, the answer, the best answer for their program. But it all starts with why. And I know that's the name of Simon Sinek's book, um, but it's really true. It starts with why. Why do you want to do this? And yeah. understanding that that is the core and the key of, of starting that journey is starting with why. So you, you, we're going to go do this commercial, this energy bus book commercial again. Um, but that book taught me that made me realize that again, is that, and this, this thing that we get to do this thing, this, this can change the world. So I always, since then, I always tell people, I want to change the world through sports. Right. Yeah. So how, how, what do you mean, coach? How do you want to change the world? Guess mm -hmm. what? The, the young man who plays cornerback for me, one day he's going to have a son. Right. And so the things that I teach that young man, he's going to teach his son. Right. Yeah. And so that son is going to marry a, a lady and they're going to have three kids and he's going to teach some of those same things that coach Malone taught his dad. Mm -hmm. And that kid is going to have a son who is going to one day find a cure to cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because of what I taught many years ago. I don't know where I'll be at that moment, but it's, and that's the way I look at it. I look at it mm -hmm. that, that the, the, guess what? Some of my guys, it's, you know, it's taking a road, right? It's taking a road. It's, didn't I tell you to do this this way, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? One of these days, that light bulb that we talked about earlier, it's going to go on. It's going to come on and it's, he's going to get it. And, and then for the rest of his life, I won't have to worry about him again. I got him. Now I'm using him to help me change another life, yeah. right? And so I think for, for me as a coach, yes, it is about tackling and running and throwing and catching and blocking. It is about that stuff. Mm -hmm. but, but more importantly, it's about, it's about pouring into young men so that when the, when the air is out of the football, now, now who are they? I told my players the other day, you know, what is happening in your life that I'm a part of for the next five, six, seven years, mm -hmm. it's going to be great, right? You're going to have the opportunity to play in the NFL and that's going to be great. But honestly, what I want to see is I want to see the fruit. The fruit won't be five, six years from now. The fruit will be 25 and 30 years. That's yeah. when I get to see it. You know, like I have one of my former players, he's a coach. He's a, he's a head, I coached him in high school mm -hmm. and he's a head coach at the University of Colorado Mesa, okay. Jermaine Jackson. So, mm -hmm. so that's fruit, you know, mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. I think about my old high school coach, one of my old high school coaches, I had the opportunity to work with him at the University of North Texas, mm -hmm. work alongside my old high school coach. Right. That's right. fruit, you know? And so that's the way I look at it is that eventually as a leader, you get to reap the reward, reap the benefits of all this work that we do right now. Mm -hmm. So I got one final question and then yes. we'll start we'll start to talk about the pot, uh, the food, the, the cooking food podcast. podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dee Dee and Van, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but think back to your first job, right? Mm -hmm. Think back to your first job. Yes. How would you say you've grown since that moment? Oh gosh. Um, I found my, my, my niche. Um, you know, when I was a young leader, I, I, I won't, um, I'm not afraid to or ashamed to admit that um, I listened to a lot of voices that I shouldn't have. Um, there were a lot of, uh, of people, um, especially other women, uh, who looked at me and said, you're too nice. You're too nice to, uh, to exist in this space. You're going to get, you know, um, you're going to get eaten alive. It won't work for you. You're going to have to, you know, you got to be mean. You got to be, you know, direct. You got to say, you got to take the emotion out of things. And, and you know what, coach, I, I tried that for a couple years and I'll be honest, I was miserable. I was right. absolutely miserable. I felt like I was an imposter. Um, 
Now that doesn't mean that I can't have the uncomfortable conversation because I can, right. but overall just operating in that space, that's just not me. I'm a person who operates from a space of care, a space of, uh, of, of genuine care, genuine love for people and wanting to help other people and wanting to, to give of myself to help others. And so when I finally stepped out of that imposter role and said, you know what, I, I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't try this my way. And I did. Then I, I started to go down a journey that has brought me to a place where I'm the happiest that I've ever been professionally because I'm able to bring my true self into work, into, into spaces with my staff and with those people that we serve and show people that I genuinely and truly care for them. And also learn that for me, I realized that when you have a genuine relationship that is trusting and full of care, you can have those difficult conversations and the impact is different. It hits different with people because they know you care about them. And if a person knows that you care about them, then you getting up in their face when, the, when it's needed, it, it, it makes them want to go and do the things that they need to do to get better, to rectify the problem, whatever the situation may be. It's only when people don't feel as though you care for them that you try and do those same things and it comes off as um, being disingenuous and, 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 and tends to go down a bad path. Uh, and so I, I just started being my, my true self and I started bringing my true personality and merging it and meshing it into my leadership. And, and it, it's truly brought me to a place of, um, of happiness, of, of some success, Although I'm very hungry and very competitive and, and want to continue uh, to be even more successful in serving others. Um, but I just try and bring my, my true self uh, into, into my leadership. And I feel like as long as I continue to do that, uh, then I'll continue to stay on the right path. Well, you, you always, uh, in all your answers, you, you give, you give a lot to unpack and um, you know, I, I couldn't be more, you said, you used the word earlier, you said honored, but I couldn't be more honored to have you on because uh, you're, you're a dynamic leader. Um, and it, like you said, your story is, is very unique, uh, but it, it is a testament to your faith, which mm -hmm. I know you're a, a faith-driven person. And mm -hmm. I'm so proud of that because, you know, you, you love to see people who, who, uh, allow their faith to be exposed. Uh, you love to see those people have success. You love to see people, like you said a second ago, who are genuine and who are not, uh, who don't operate in, in the manner that, that the world would say you need to operate. You know, you need to cut down anything in front of you. Why not build it up? You know, why not build people up? You know, uh, we in recruiting, we always talk about the fact that if I'm wasting time beating down another program, I, I, I can't talk about my program. If my program is so good, why would I waste time? And so uh, I, I, I'm so glad that, you know, you stop listening to those voices because yeah. what you do is, is beautiful um, and, and many people recognize it. And of course, the, the success you have is, is because of that, that the way that your team works is because of that. Uh, I always talk to our players about leadership. Okay, you can't if if you if you force them to do it. Now that's dictatorship. Yes, sir. And, and they can't wait until you turn your back. You know, mm -hmm. if you turn your back, they're going to get you, <laughs> yep. right? But but what you want to do as a leader is you want the men to and women to willingly accomplish the mission. The most yep. important thing is the mission. And so you want them to willingly accomplish the mission. Yep. And, and I say to our guys that everyone can't be the leader because some people, they can't figure out how to do that, right? Some people, the only way they do it is by yelling at you and by being mean yeah. and by forcing it down your throat, mm -hmm. right? There's a, there's a trick, there's an art to getting people, many people to willingly accomplish the mission and go down a path with you. 
Well, Didi, I appreciate you. Uh, I, I'm so happy to have the opportunity to finally meet you. Um, yes, I, me too. I warn you, uh, we're friends now. Yes, we are friends. And uh, that's just the way it works. You know, I, I recruited Milwaukee uh, many years ago. And I, this is when I was at North Dakota State. Yeah. So North Dakota State is like a seven-hour. This North Dakota State was my first college job. And mm -hmm. so seven-hour drive from, from Fargo to Milwaukee. Yes. And so what, what, what happened is uh, I'm, I'm there at, I'm in the front of the building at uh, North Dakota State. I'm going to drive this seven-hour trip. And North Dakota State is, is, a, is a nice program. We, we have a lot of resources. Well, sure. I didn't necessarily understand that at the time. So uh, I had all my clothes stacked in the backseat of my car. And I was getting ready for this seven-hour drive. Right, uh -huh. The most I can drive is two hours, and I start having a fit. But anyway, I was off <laughs> to go on this seven-hour drive. And the head coach happened to walk out of the building and, uh, you know, we were talking and kind of walked over by my car. And he said, what is this, all this stuff you got in your car? Uh -huh. I said, well, it's all my clothes, you know. So when I drive to Milwaukee, uh, you know, to go recruit, I'm going to drive. And then I, and he said, drive? He said, you're not going to fly? And, and, and it's like when he, he asked the question, yeah. I, knew, I knew at that moment that I, should, that I didn't have to drive. Right. The question, I thought I had to drive. Right. So I said, uh, yeah, I won't fly next time, but I'm, I just kind of wanted to see how it felt to drive. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I had driven this trip like three other times, you know, on the oh, road. Oh, my goodness. And, and so it was pure torture to make this drive. I never drove again. <laughs> Good for you. I never drove again. I flew. I flew mm -hmm. from then on out. But mm -hmm. I, those, by the time I got to Milwaukee, I didn't want to recruit anybody. <laughs> I, was, I was so tired. I need three days of sleep. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, so I, now that I know I can fly in and out of Milwaukee, maybe I'm going to have to make me a trip to, to Milwaukee again. I won't be so angry. Right? Well, yeah, come to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee is still home. Uh, I still come here quite often. I'm here right now. Uh, but Indy is where the national office is for the NCAA. So you don't have to come to Indy. Yeah, well, I made a few you trips cook the crawfish, and I'll pull the grill out, okay. and I'll grill the steaks, and then we'll have our meal. Dee Dee and Van, surf and turf with a different twist. That's right. Surf and like, turf with I a like twist. It. Right. Yep. I like it. Well, thank you, Dee Dee. I appreciate All you. Right.